0: Our Bibles in our hands, and let's make our confession of faith loud and strong. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and I believe it. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do, and I am who it says I am. I am accepted in the beloved. I am blessed to be a blessing. I am a chosen generation, destined to reign in Christ, empowered to make a difference, and forgiven of all my sin. If you believe that, shout Amen, and you may be seated as we begin our brand new series. Sheriff's Office, we have a warrant for your arrest. Back door, back door! Deputy Thompson has now survived his rookie year. Guess that means you can start using real bullets now. When you get married, have some kids, you're going to figure out real quick how much you don't know. You
1: missed Emily's piano recital. Can I talk to you? Can I suggest that you spend a little more time with him?
0: All he wants to do is play video games and go run five miles.
1: What are you doing home? Let me go. Do you really feel like it messed up your childhood not having a dad? More than you know. Adam, I need you to come with me right now.
0: family and I made a tailspin right now. You do heal, but you're never the same. I want to know what
1: God expects of me. me down the road. I've been doing about half of what I should have been doing as a dad. You're being too hard on
0: yourself. Revolution? Yeah, you've been a good enough father. I don't want to be a good enough father. Can I say this too? I don't feel like I started well. I want to finish well. Do this, then do it right. Something like this needs ceremony. I feel like a rich man. As your father, I want the very best for you. I promise to take care of you. So, where are you, men of courage? I believe every father should step up and answer the call to say I will I will in light of Father's Day we're beginning a brand new series based on the movie that came to theaters last fall I believe that the end of September called Courageous, The Makers of Fireproof the church out at Sherwood Baptist Church I believe located in Georgia They've done an incredible job in bringing quality Christian movies to theaters that quality-wise they compete with any secular movie. but They have an amazing theme. So if you haven't seen Courageous, it's out on Blu-ray, it's out on DVD. I encourage you to pick up a copy of it. So in light of that, how how many dads here, I don't know about you, I don't want to be a good enough father. Talk to me somebody. huh? I don't want to be a good enough father. Father, I want to be a great father. So in light of that, as we start this brand new series called Courageous, I want to talk to you this morning about how to have a courageous family. And I want to talk to you about the difference between courageous, being courageous versus being complacent. And really, I'm issuing a call during this series, the next four weeks. This is really a call not to just dads, But to everyone in our church, male or female, whether you're married, whether you're single, divorced, empty nesters, this is a call to all believers in our church to be courageous Christians in the midst of a complacent culture. Amen? And those are the only two ways you're going to live. There is no middle ground. You're either going to be a courageous Christian or you're going to get sucked into The complacency of our culture. Amen? And so today I want to paint a powerful picture of what true fatherhood and contagious Christianity are all about. And so today is a day to unapologetically and unashamedly stand up for Jesus. Come on, can I get an amen? Huh? We need to stand up for him. We need to stand against popular culture. And we need to stand strong for our families and their future. And so I want to talk to you the difference between being courageous versus being complacent. Now, complacent is defined as being pleased with one situation that leads to a lack, that often leads to a lack of awareness of some potential danger or defect. I'm going to say that again. It means to be pleased with one situation how many know it's okay to be content, but we never need to be satisfied? And there's a difference. We're content. Thank God that we're where we are and we're not where we used to be. But you know what? I'm not going to get safe, satisfied, and stuck because he has way more in store. Amen? And so complacent means to be pleased with one situation. And that the result of that is it often leads to a lack of awareness of some potential danger or defect. First Peter addresses that in chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. It says, stay alert. So we can't allow ourselves to get caught sleeping at the wheel, napping on the job. Because I'm here to tell you, our families and our future, whether you have kids or not, this generation and the leg that we're to play, the, the, the leg of the race we're to run, we have a role to play and we can't get caught Sleeping at the wheel and not fulfilling our role. Amen? So stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. So there, that verse right there summarizes complacency. Versus being courageous. Turn in your Bible. It's not up on the screen. But I want to show you another example in Genesis 34. Of what happens when we get complacent. You still with me? Genesis chapter 34. Now this is the story of Dinah. If you remember. You have Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons. Okay, One of them being Joseph. But he also had a daughter named Dinah. And Dinah went to the town of Shechem and she was violated. She was raped. The man who raped her fell in love with her and wanted to marry her. Well, once the brothers found out, you can imagine. Come on, how many have sisters? Come on, how many big brothers have little sisters? You can imagine once you found out what happened, you know what? You'd probably want to do the same thing as they did in this story. Amen? Amen. But I want you to see, and so they, 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 they did something here, but I want you to see how complacency lulled them into being defenseless against this attack. We're going to pick it up in verse 22. And what they do is all the sons of Jacob decide to come to this, uh, this city and let them know, hey... We're going uh, to, he asked for Dinah's hand in marriage, and he said, You know what? We're Israelites, and we're circumcised, and so the only way we'll come in covenant with you. And they said, Hey, let's make a deal. You can marry our daughters, we'll marry your daughters, and, and we'll have a partnership, and we'll have a great thing going on. And so we pick it up in verse 22, and the children of Israel say, Only on this condition will the men consent to dwell with us. He's, the town of Shechem is telling the rest of the people to be one people. If every male among us is circumcised as they are circumcised, will not their livestock, their property, and every animal of theirs be ours? Only let us consent to them, and they will dwell with us. And all who went out of the gate of his city, heeded Hamor and Shechem for his son. Every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of his city. Now it came to pass on the third day, when they... Were in pain. And so notice the complacency of city, and They think everything's going to be fine. Everything's hunky-dory. That two of the sons of Jacob. Simeon and Levi. Dinah's brothers. Each took his sword and came boldly upon the city. And killed all the males. And they killed Hamor and Shechem his son. With the edge of the sword. And took Dinah from Shechem's house. And went out. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain. And plundered the city. Because their sister had been defiled. They took their sheep their oxen, their donkeys, what was in the city and what was in the field and all their wealth. And their little ones and their wives, they took captive and they plundered even all that was in the houses. And you know what? My concern is that the enemy sells us a bill of goods as well. That the enemy comes in the form of culture. Enemy comes in the form of a deal and says, you know what? Let's make a deal. And if you partner with us, then you can have all our wealth. You can have all our popularity. You can have all our possessions. And we get lulled, and so we succumb to the dictates and the demands of our culture until they attack. And all of a sudden, now we're caught with our pants down, so to speak, and the enemy plunders the things of God in our lives. Come on, are you with me? And so we cannot afford to be complacent. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, 7, and 9, God says, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people. Say, lead. Listen, I'm here to tell you the number one role of a dad is to lead your family, to lead them, not just provide for them. That's a given. Thank God for dads who provide a roof over your head and and food on the table. But you know what? If that's all we do to measure the quality of a dad, we're a sorry lot. That ought to be just a given. That's a taken that a dad is going to provide a roof and food. Amen? So dads, hopefully we don't just do that and go, you know what? Look, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, you're doing the basics. Okay, you're feeding them. Come on, somebody. Your job as a dad is to lead your spouse, to lead your kids, to lead in the workplace. Amen? Lead these people to possess all the land. I swore to their ancestors. See, your job is to lead your kids into all the fullness of God's plan for their lives. Amen? How many know you can't lead them where you're not willing to go? So you got to be on your way. doesn't mean you've arrived. doesn't mean you're perfect. But it means you're on your way. You're taking those steps toward God's plan, purpose, and destiny. And you're beckoning them to follow in your footsteps. Amen? Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. This is my command. Be strong. And courageous, do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so dads, listen. Moms, single moms that have to play the role of mom and dad. Listen. We have to lead our homes and our families. I I came across some interesting statistics about our kids. Do you realize that that 50%? Now, all the decisions all of us ever make in life, for the most part, flow out of what we call our core belief systems. And everyone has core belief systems everyone has things at the core of your being that you believe put there by your parents, your grandparents, your school, your church, your your culture, your environment, how you were raised, how you were influenced, teachers, okay? Everyone has core belief systems. In fact, Shelley was telling me uh, an interesting story with one of the ladies she plays tennis with and she actually happens to be a doctor. And uh, she was playing tennis, and she just started opening up and sharing her her life. And uh, she's a very successful doctor. And uh, and uh, she just started sharing. You know, when I was in first grade, so now I never heard the teacher say this, but my parents told me when I was in first grade, uh, my uh, my parents met with the teacher, and the teacher said, you know what, uh, so and so miss listed her name. She. Uh, she does okay in all the other subjects. She does good. She does all right. But she's not brilliant in anything. That's all she said. She she does good. She's average. She's a good student. She's not failing in any subject. Doesn't really struggle. But she just doesn't excel or just really isn't that brilliant or stand out in any area either. And, you know, the, the lady said, you know what, I... I, I'm sure she didn't mean anything by it. I'm sure that, that she meant it as a good thing. You know, hey, she's okay. But she said when her, her parents told her that, she said it marked her core belief system. And she said now, fast forward, here. She that was in first grade. She's in college. She's in pre-med. Now she's in uh, med school. And all of a sudden, this fear and these struggles come in that, who do I think I am? trying to be a doctor. I'm not brilliant at anything. Talk to me, somebody. And she, she began to talk about how she had to fight and struggle to undo something that was deposited on the inside of her when she was six or seven years old. Do you realize statistically that they say 50% of our core belief system is already established by the time we're five years old? half of our core belief systems is already established by the time we're five. Do you see the importance of dedicating your kid in the house of the Lord? Do you see the importance of that? Now, all of a sudden, it's not just a ritual. It's not something we take lightly when we bring kids up and we lay hands on them and we dedicate them to God. We're very serious about it. Amen? We're very serious. No wonder. They brought Samuel and raised him and dedicated him to the house of God. Amen? That's why it's so important to raise your kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Now, 85% of our core beliefs are established by the time we are 18 years old. So the next 13 years after 5, another 35%. So 85% is established by the time we are 18 years old. Now, check this out. 95% of all the decisions we make... Are determined by our core belief systems. 95%. Only 5% of the life altering decisions we ever make. Are outside of that. Things that are established by the time we're 5. 50%. 85%. By the time we're 18. Do you see the importance? That's why we cannot be complacent. And we have to stand and lead our families. Well, Pastor, my kids are over five. I've started too late. It is never too late. Huh? You just start leading right now. Amen? I want you to check out this clip as we get ready to go to the next part of our message.
1: Kim. <laughs> what did I say? You were supposed to call me when you landed. I'm sorry. I thought maybe something was wrong with the phone I gave you. No, it was just that you rush at the airport. All right. Well, if- of course, if I'd had the number where you were staying... I would have just called there. What's the number? I don't... I don't have it. Kimmy, come on. This is one of the conditions. Let me talk to one of the cousins. I'll get it from them. Dad, they're in Spain. I didn't know, I swear. To Spain? Kim, is there anything else you want to tell me? Put the phone closer so I can hear.
0: We just get your nose that, i be back. That is, that is anything but complacent. Amen. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. If you haven't, you need to watch it. Huh? it man, it's a, it, 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 you talk about the epitome of being courageous and going in and rescuing his kids. And that is the same mantle that God has given us as leaders in our homes. Amen. First John 2 says this. Verse 15 says, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. There's three things mentioned in this verse that try to take our kids, to try to capture them and possess them and prevent them from fulfilling their destiny. And listen, as mom and dads, we have to be aware, we have to be alert, and we have to be ready to to go after it and pounce on it and do due diligence. Amen. Number one, the number one influence that will try to impact our kids, three pitfalls we need to be aware of. It's people without purpose. You need to be aware of who your kids' friends are. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Talk to me, somebody. Huh? You need to be aware of who your, who your friends are. You know what? I didn't come up with an idea of smoking pot when I was a teenager. I had a friend introduce it to me. Talk to me. wasn't my idea. I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, I'm sure I had other bad ideas to give other people, Okay. All right? But you know what? Smoking pot, that idea didn't originate with me. It originated with my buddy. It originated with my friend who said, Hey, when we leave campus for lunch, you want to get high? Come on, talk to me, somebody. huh?" So who are the people? Who are the friends? And listen, you need to know. You need to be involved. You shouldn't just let your kids go wherever. And listen, I don't care if they're teenagers. If they're 17, 18, if they're in your home, They live by your rules. Amen? So who do they hang out? Who do they do life with? Huh? We're going to the lake. What are you going to do at the lake? What are you drinking at the lake? What are the girls that's going to the lake? What will they be wearing at the lake? They have clothes? Do you remember when you were a teenager? No skinny dipping. Huh? Come on. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. We talked about some of these things last Wednesday. But Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. And we see a progression how we begin to walk in step with the wicked. We begin to walk. We, just, we begin to move in the direction of those who aren't following God. And sooner or later, we begin to stop and we begin to stand in the way of sinners. And then we begin to take up resonance and we sit right down in the company of them. Hmm? And it's progressively the enemy takes us. Amen. Number two is pride in our possessions. And number three is passion for pleasure. So people without purpose, pride in our possessions, and passion for pleasure. Listen. Thank God for Xbox and, and Sony Playstations and all that stuff. Our kids have them. They play. Wii. they play. But you know what, parents? You have to monitor how possessions captivate your kids. Amen. You have to monitor. You know them get, getting caught up in having to have the latest and the greatest. Amen? I'm not against blessing your kids and, 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 and all that stuff. We have all the gizmos and gadgets, and we don't apologize for it. Amen? But you have to keep that stuff in check. And you can't allow that to get them off track. Amen? Make them go outside. Huh? Make them go play. You remember what we played with? Huh? Talk to me, somebody. Granted, we knocked lots of windows out with the slingshot, but we got lots of vitamin D doing it. Right? Amen? So get them outside. And then passion for pleasure. Listen, talk to them about pleasure. And listen, Dad, Mom and Dad, you have to overcome your past and some failures in your past, and you can't allow that to steal your confidence and being truthful with your kids. And you know what? You need to have the sex talk. With your kids. They need to hear it from you. If they don't hear it from you, they will hear it in the locker room. Okay? They'll hear it from secular, from a secular point of view. Okay? They'll they'll hear it from a counselor who throws them a condom and says, be safe. Hmm? They'll, 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 They'll get it from Lady Gaga. Talk to me, somebody. Huh? They're gonna get it. They will find, they will get the information. Or they'll just get it surfing porn on the internet. But they'll find the information. So listen, there is nothing wrong with them wanting the information. They are curious. Curious minds want to know. Why are our parts so different? Tell them. Desensitize it. Desexualize it. And give them Facts, give them information and how God made their body and how their body functions and why their body is doing what it's doing. Tell them that. It's embarrassing. I know. Just have fun with it. Okay? And and, and, and just get over it, be read together. And have those 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 honest heart to heart, man to man, girl to girl. Discussions. Amen? Talk to them. Talk to them. Be real. Be up front. Amen? Now, I want to share with you the time we have left. Go to Genesis chapter 11, verse 31. And I'm going to share with you three keys and how you can be a courageous versus a complacent believer. Still with me? Genesis chapter 11. Verse 31, it says, And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, his son Abram's wife. And they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. First key to being a courageous Christian is you have to follow God's promise. Amen? You have to be willing to embrace and follow God's promise. Now notice it says, Terah started out. Abram's dad actually started out heading for the promised land. Did you you notice that? It said Terah and his grandson Lot and his daughter Lot, they went from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they ended up stopping in Haran, which is actually about halfway to the promised land. And then Terah died. Interesting note, by the way. Do you know what Terah literally means? His name literally means delay. Delay. And so listen, when you follow God's plan for your life, you can't delay. you got to go all out. you got to throw it all in and go for it. Amen? And so when the delay was out of the way... Abraham uprooted everything. He left his father's house. He left his country. He left his family. And he followed God's promise. See, com- complacent says stick to the status quo. But courageous says grab your stuff and go. Amen? And so we want to be courageous. We don't want to stick to the status quo. And listen, here's what you got to remember. Is that it was, it was... The likely thing for Abraham, the likely thing for him to do was to stick with familiar family territory. And as the firstborn, his job was to maintain the status quo, was to maintain his father's wealth, to maintain his father's reputation, to maintain all that his father had established up to this point. And so for him to grasp and embrace the promise of God and leave what was familiar to him and set out in uncharted territory was a big deal. But if we're going to be courageous believers, you know what? We have to follow God's promise. And that promise was, you know what? I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. And remember, blessed to be a blessing means that we're instruments of God's divine favor and we're preventers of misfortune In other people's lives. Amen. And then in Romans chapter 4 verse 18. It says against all hope. Abraham in hope believed. And so he became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be. So parents listen. Children need fathers. Children need parents. Who know the promises of God and they're willing to follow those promises regardless of the risk. The best thing that you can do in front of your children is follow God even when it doesn't make sense. Give even when it doesn't make sense to give. Go to church even when it it makes more sense to sleep in. Amen. The best thing you can do for your kids is follow God's plan. Amen. Number two. Courageous believers, they follow God's power against all the impossible. Complacent says it can't be done. Courageous says with God the battle is already won. Now, if you look at Genesis chapter 12 and you skip on down, when Abraham, it says in verse 6, that Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem as far as the Terebinth, Tree and the Canaanites were there in the land. So Abraham passed through a land that was already inhabited. So God has promised him this land. He said, it is yours for the taking. And he passes through this land and he realizes that, you know what? There's going to be a fight here. Come on, talk to me somebody. There's, there, I, this isn't just going to happen automatically just because God said I could have it. And archaeologists say that the men that inhabited this land, they were warring inhabitants. They were, they were wild. They, they had a beastly nature. And uh, they were not nice people. <laughs> they were not nice people. So regardless of the obstacle, The courageous response is to trust God. And then if you look on down in verse 7, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants, I will give this land. Now watch. And it says, There he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now you got to remember, Abraham, he built an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. This is before Leviticus. Remember Leviticus? That's that great book you love reading. You probably read it last night, right? Leviticus is that great book in the Old Testament. That, you know what, you read it and then you fall asleep and then you ask God to forgive you because you were bored. Okay? Okay, Leviticus, because it's all these, 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 these sacrifices and all the details that are involved in offering sacrifices. And what sacrifice to offer for this. And as New Testament believers, we just read it and go, thank you for the cross and we move on, right? Okay? But there's significance in that. Okay? And, and so this is before... God had given any details about worship. And I want you to notice that Abraham, when God appeared to him, instinctively there was something on the inside of him that caused him to build an altar, sacrifice something to God, and worship him. Amen? There was something. So you need to know, worship is instinctive. When you have an encounter with God, you instinctively Worship him. And so Abraham worshipped God in sacrifice. He worshipped him in faithful obedience. Listen, here's the point. Children need parents who worship. Not just when God provides results, but also when God only provides promises. Here he goes through this land. God said it's yours and it's full of inhabitants. Okay, Abraham, 75 years. Now we know... From this point on, it's another 25 years before he ever possesses what God... Actually, he never really possessed it. He died before Joshua leads him in. So he actually died never receiving the fullness of the promise, but looking forward to it. Amen? He died in faith going after what God... And so you need to know as a parent, your kids need to see. You worship God when God doesn't provide results... But he only provides promises. And if you'll learn to do that, you'll see the promises of God brought to pass in your life. Number three, and we'll close right here. Courageous believers follow God's plan for the future. Complacent says it's about now and it's about me. Courageous says it's about the future and my family. See, the average response to the call of God is what's in it for me right now. Right? What's in it for me? Right now. What is the payoff? What it right now? Hmm? And so when God spoke to Abraham, he knew that when God said, I'm going to make you the father of a multitude. Okay, Abraham, just do simple math. He automatically knew, okay, God gave me this promise. It's going to take at least nine months before I have a kid. And then God didn't just say that I, I would... Just have one. He, he said, multi-generational. So he knew, okay, uh, nine months and then I'm going to have a kid. Okay, it's going to take time for that kid to grow up and then find the right wife and get married and then have kids. So just do the simple math. Abraham knows there's some time involved in this process. Talk to me, somebody. Huh? I'm going to have to persevere. I'm gonna... And in the meantime, while this is going on, See, because when you're complacent, complacent, complacency makes you impatient in times of stress and it makes you look for comfort. See, because the time, at this time, Abram's living in the Negev Valley, and that was a very difficult place to live. Okay? He was a herdsman, and 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 it it, it the land didn't didn't yield well. It was not a proper place for farming, and it was a very tough, difficult place to live but Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 says this that it was by faith that Abraham obeyed God when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance he went without knowing where he was going and even when he reached the land God promised him he lived there by faith for he was like a foreigner living in tents And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. A city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and she was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. The point is this. Living in the present with the future in mind, how many know that can be difficult? But we have to look beyond the immediate payoff. And we have to know it's through faith and patience That we inherit the promises of God. Amen. Complacency is not an option. So God is calling us to step out in courageous faith. Trust His promises. Rely on His power to bring them to pass. And follow His plan in raising our families and impacting this generation. Amen. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to pray for you this morning. I never want to assume... Maybe you're here this morning.